0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com.
1: I'm Heather, and this is Kevin and Grace and Pastor JR. And um, Pastor Kathy just asked us to just do kind of like a panel discussion tonight. Um, and, um, you know, the gist of it... <laughs> I don't know how it's all going to come together. Um, the gist of it is kind of like, you know, how, how do we walk practically... Um, in the word, um, I don't even know how to describe it. with in, in, in our intimacy with God. And, um, I don't even know if I'm communicating it correctly, but I'm going to tell you what went off in me. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago when on Sunday, when hallelujah, we're going to have church here this Sunday. I know we are. Um, but anyway, when pastor Gavin and Marianne were doing their discussion, did you guys see that? Did you see that? It was really good. And um, they got to talking about um, the importance of names and calling things and and all of that. And it just, it went off on the inside of me. And that's kind of where I felt to kick things off and to just see where we go from there. Are you guys good? <laughs> Grace is like, uh, <laughs> you know. um, But in their discussion... because I was really, I I was just kind of retaken by the spirit when they were talking about, uh, you know, how God changed names. He changed Saul and he became Paul. He changed Abram's name to Abraham. And in changing the names, he was, he was giving them the character of who he had called them to be. And there's a, it's a huge, huge deal in that word call and what you call something and what you're going to name something because like, I think Marianne, she's used the sentence and I, um, um, or sorry, Pastor Gavin used the sentence and he said, our future is redefined by our relationship with God and what he wants to walk us into. And those were defining moments for Abraham and, um, and Paul and, because literally redefined who they were. I mean, Saul was killing Christians and God renamed him Paul. And he ended up, he, two thirds of the new Testament is because of Paul and, and what happened in his life and how he heard God and what he recorded. And, and then, you know, we know with Abraham, he's the father of faith. And so I just always get really intrigued with calling things. And, you know, Romans 4, it says, call things that be not as though they are. And it's like when, when God called Abraham, Abram Abraham, and when he called Saul, Paul, he was calling into existence things that were not to become what they were right. and what he had called them to be. And um, in that, you know, Marianne had said, was talking about the importance of names in the Hebrew and how names um, provided a person's character or their essence. And the essence was actually something that exists. It was the individual, real nature of a thing. And so when he calls us the different things that he calls us in the word, he's calling us it out, he's calling out what is actually who we are. And sometimes it 's hard for us to grasp those things um because of what we 've lived in and the and the perception that we 've had of, of ourselves or that has been put upon us and that we 've taken in by that and so i guess I guess tonight I kind of want to talk about going that direction and talk about practically um, you know how have how have we practically walked through the word in taking hold of the things personally that God has um, called us to be or called each one of us to be? How have we grabbed hold of those things and allowed it to change the perception that maybe we had of ourselves to go into who he's to grab hold of who he's called us to be? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so... um And then, but like before, when he said call, I wanted to go back to um, Genesis in chapter one, where God called the daytime, the light day. And that word call in the Hebrew is kara, q u q a r a, And it means to address by a name or to proclaim something. And so he was literally taking in it and addressing it. And I remember one time when I was a kid, I found, I was in a Christian bookstore and found out my name, Heather. I knew it meant a flower, but it meant joyful spirit, like the Christian name for it meant joyful spirit. And I remember thinking, I don't feel like a joyful spirit. Like that doesn't doesn't fit me. But the funny thing was when I became born again as a kid, as I went on, it literally became who I was because I really am a joyful spirit. (laughs) And, um, and (laughs) I, yeah, And, and, and it's like, it's so funny because, um, Names are so, so incredibly important into who God has called us to be. And, um, you know, grace is named grace and she's filled with grace. You know, I mean, it's like, and the, the more we say those things, the more it becomes who, who we are, even though maybe you don't feel like you are. sometimes. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm always joy filled all the time, but I am. Because it's who I am. So I don't know. Does anyone want to kick it off and just kind of talk in that direction? And and what has it gone on in you?
2: When you mentioned um, naming and how naming is so important is because I grew up in a culture where that having a name or, you know, when you're expecting a child and you have list of names then you're literally actually meditating on the name and what would you want to call the child, whether it's boy or girl. And I remember when I named my kids, um, my father-in-law had list, And in that on that list, it's interesting enough, and he gave us options. You know, I mean, you, some of you know my son Daniel, and he's, he has name, and... Daniel is his English name, but he does have his own Korean name. But in that name, and depending on which generation it falls into, there are certain letters that represent that name. In other words, if Dan had another brother, then he would have the one word and then there's middle name, something different. So there is that that naming is so important that even for Christians, that you although you honor your traditional heritage, but then you honor the meaning of the name because it was a serious business. Because when you name the child, it literally means that child's going to grow into that character and that nature. It's it's very biblical, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. And um, so, on the same token, I understand that like some people, they would like literally on course of their lives they change. They go find a certain their like a job title is to change names, so to speak, you know. It's like kind of they are mediator in the spirit realm type of thing. So people go and say, this is not working out for me right now. So their recommendation is that you change your name. So they legally change their name in order to change their fortune in the future. So when you look at it, there is like a really spiritual principle in that. And when, when God even changed, God called like, Abraham to Abraham mm-hmm. instead of to say Ra is that actually that the Jehovah, that very letter of that Ah or Ah was like literally in, intermingling the God character into the name. So literally changing the destiny of their names. So what I'm saying is that when, even when you think about Yeshua, Joshua, I mean Yeshua, his name is the Savior. Then he literally walked in that role. Mm-hmm. So anybody want to interject with that thought? Yeah. I would say
0: for me, for, uh, for name, um, <clears throat> when I think of name, I think about, like, growing up, our last name, uh, Watkins. Mm-hmm. And my dad used to always tell me, hey, you're representing that name. So to me, for name, it's like I'm representing my, my family. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of the, the kingdom, I'm representing him. And so I'm not going to do anything that's going to bring displeasure to him. I'm going to do my best to be a light and let my light shine to represent the kingdom and represent him. So when I think of name, I think of a representation. I'm representing my father in heaven. And the Bible says we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to do. I want to be an imitator. I want to represent my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm
3: -hmm. I, too, I'm a judge. Where I come from. That means something. It doesn't mean anything down here. But out, out in the sticks, it, it, it means something. <laughs> Especially if you own sticks. You can yeah. do the judge's work because we bought your sticks and made lumber out of them. But that's the last name. So that's part of that part. But, but I am somewhat about what they talked about because my name that I was given at birth was something I really didn't like and really wasn't individual enough that, as I am. <clears throat> so at the age of like 23, I became J.R., and then in time, I found out what JR kind of meant. And I say this funnily, but there's a bit more to it. JR stands for just right. It's not real biblical, <laughs> but it's just right. Now, now, now hear me out. I'm just right at being JR. Alex can't be JR. Heather can't be JR. I am just right at being me. You know what I mean? So just like Paul became who Paul needed to be, Abraham became who he needed to be, each one of us can become. Who you need to be, yeah. you know what I mean. You can live out the name that you've been given. You don't have to change your name like I did. It was just a choice that I, that I, that I made for for me. So now when I hear Jr., that's really what I'm thinking. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm the best Jr. there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I even beat out Jr. You ain't one of the older people that, that remember ours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to me, it's, so to me, what you call something has everything to do with what it's going to become. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
3: it's mm-hmm. so much more what it's going to become. So if you look up what your name means and you don't like it, look it up again. And if you still don't like it, give your own self a definition of who you are. Mm-hmm. So when you hear your name, you hear what God's here hears. Amen. You know, and nothing else. You hear what Pastor Gray said: blessing. You don't you can't come up with anything else for your name. You're blessed.
0: Yeah. Amen. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, I like that. And so, in taking like that concept of like we're talking about our personal names, but taking how the word how God has used in His Word to Define us as we are blessed, like you say, or we are prosperous, or we are healed, we are whole, Um, we are chosen by Him. We're chosen at like He literally chose each one of us. He's chosen everybody, but us personally, He chose me. He chose you, despite every flaw that I might have or any whatever. He still chose me.
3: Last one on the team. You know what I mean? I'm not the last one. Right. Was choosing. I'm not the last one that he had to take because there's no one else to pick. I'm right. Number one
1: pick. And that's, that's such a good picture. You were the number one draft pick. Right. I mean, you're the number one because that is how intently he, um, loves each one of us and he created each one of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that Taking like how we apply, we talked about the name change and how that, that changes our character and how he intended for that to be. But taking the things that he has called him, like he's our provider, um, or we are, um, prosperous and we, we are who he, his characteristics is who we are mm-hmm. because he's in us and he's yeah. created us in his image. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, back in Genesis 1, he's, he blessed us. Mm-hmm. He said he blessed man. He blessed us. He didn't curse us. He blessed us, which causes us to be prosperous and to thrive and to grow and to continue um, growing. So how, okay, It for us personally, how... If, if you can explain maybe sometimes how you took, um, some of the things that he has laid out in his word and applied it to you personally. Like I remember, I always remember pastor Barry saying that, um, when he was learning about God and growing his intimacy with him, he grew up very poor, so prosperity was a struggle for him. It was harder for him to grasp that he was actually a prosperous person because he grew up very, his, his paradigm was very poor. Whereas healing was not as difficult for him to grasp. And we all have different things. And so it's, it's kind of like, can, can any of you talk about maybe um, it, one of the things that you know, you've, you've had to really grab onto in terms of how God has called us? um, in his word? Like, does that strike a chord with anyone? And, and just, just like, um, you know, how did you grab hold of the word? This is what I was thinking about in, in, um, worship. I I was seeing David and when he was going to fight Goliath, he put on, you know, Saul. um, who was it? Oh, no,
2: Huh? He saw his armor.
1: It was Saul. Saul. Yeah, yeah, it was Saul. I thought so. And then all of a sudden it didn't sound right. So he, Saul wanted him to use his armor and he was like, I can't use your armor because I haven't tested it. No. And I was thinking about the, the word of God and how sometimes like when we hear people give a testimony and they're like, Oh man, God gave me this word and I stood on it and I saw it come to pass and blah, blah, blah. And we try to grab onto that word. But we actually haven't tested it for ourselves. It's actually, it's like Saul in the armor. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't ride on your revelation. You can't ride on my revelation. Mm-hmm. What it does when we share testimonies, it, is, it, it opens us up to a greater experience of God and possibilities and who he is. But I still have to grasp that thing for myself. And so I think a lot of times we try to ride on somebody else's revelation Mm-hmm. Um but we have to grab our own mm-hmm. and and so in in your walks with God personally, like is there how have you kind of grabbed onto something that may have been um, it might have been a struggle, it might not have been a struggle, um, but just grabbed onto one of those truths and really took hold of it for yourself. Do you know what i 'm
0: saying well, I think for me um... <clears throat> I think two things. The first is, who is Jesus to me? I think uh, once we determine who he is to you, then you can figure out, you know, your relationship. And Mark, it talks about Mary and Martha. Martha, she was worried about many things. But Mary, she sat at his feet. So you have to determine which one are you going to be. Are you going to be a Martha or are you going to be a Mary? So you have to determine who Jesus is to you. And then the second thing I would say is, why are we here? What's our purpose? You have to figure out, why am I on earth? What has God called me to do? And it comes through relationship. It comes knowing that who he is. And I think once we determine who Jesus is to us, and then what our purpose is, then we can figure out, you know, the rest of it, as far as living, being free. Uh, for me, the, the most important thing to me is the word. And the word of God has not only taking shape in my life, but it's made me be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. And I think a lot of times we just want to hear the word, but we're not doing the word. And so for me, just doing the word, I think uh, that's been beneficial to me, not only just saying it, but I want to do it, my actions.
2: For me, um, I grew up in church, and then, and then, I guess, as a like a good child of God, a good Christian, I guess I was given like a certain paradigm and and the thoughts that I will be a just a faithful good Christian, and I mean I love Jesus all my life, and that's that's given. But when it comes to a place where that you just have to make decision. Just like you're saying, that who is Jesus to me personally? And also, when you are at the end of yourself, because you think that you just uh, fulfilling your Christian duty or whatnot, just attending church regularly, and you still love Jesus all your heart, and you have certain dreams and goals, but you're saying to Jesus, okay, I'm going to pursue my career, my you know, I have this goal in my life. I want to pursue it and I'll be a good tither and giver and do all my things that is like seems to be right to me and you. Then they in my Christian life, you know, and no problem whatsoever. But the, the issue is when you run into the personal crisis or whatever they call it, it means that like you really have to that, that confrontation with God, literally, and saying, "Who is Jesus to me?" And that's what happened to me. And and when I finally reach the end of my rope and say, "Oh, help!" <laughs> There's no other word than help. <laughs> Where do I go from here? And then I think that is like the most beautiful place because it, when Heather talked about you need to have your own revelation, is because you, I certainly could not walk with walk into the path where like my, my mom, mother's a revelation, my dad's revelation, I have to, my own, have to have my own revelation. But one word that I used to not really, not really welcoming was when pastor very used to say, oh, rejoice, when you like have revelations, you'll get tested. It's like, oh gee, what test are you talking about? You know? <laughs> I mean, literally daily, it could be your mentor. <laughs> You know, testing you go through, your emotional testing, even like literally like the financially and just you name it. And you live life. So there's every opportunity to just get tested with revelation. And you talk about like the character of God, the names of God. I mean like, okay, you need to my Jehovah Jireh at this moment. Because what am I going to pay bill with? And... And you really need to be helped to be Jehovah Rapha. I remember like, you know, we laying hands on my kids when they get sick and things like that. And I don't want to run into hospital all the time. I have to re- live the word. And then at the moment, there's like, you cannot have your own pride. And you cannot have your own whatever is like a best for the, the moment. You really say, Jesus help me. And that's how you get tested. But it's actually a good test. You know, like he used to say, you cannot have testimony without the test. So it's almost like like when Jesus was led to the the wilderness, that to be tested. That's like (laughs) sometimes whatever wilderness you're called into, sometimes like, well, whether you by choice or not. But then there's a place where you get really tested and also, you know, get to prove who Jesus is to you. Does that make any sense? Yeah, so that's where I learned my (laughs) lessons. (laughs) Yeah.
3: You know, I, I said this one last time, but it just, I love the scripture. It's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus. And I grew up in a church that had stained glass windows. there was a picture of Jesus over here with sheep and a lamb. And then one over here, he was he was crucified, and not a very nice looking pictures. And another one over there, he was standing there with a bunch of other guys talking to him. Then the one behind the preacher was a picture of him like, floating up in the air. So when I first heard that scripture, I'm like, God loved me. And I just kind of looked around the room. And I'm like, this is just weird and odd as a little guy. So I was taught that the Bible was the word of God. And that's what we need to believe. So, so just through a period of, of time, and growing up and, and you know, because my, my family relationship was good, but there wasn't a lot of lovey, touchy, all that that kind of emotional stability there. But through through time and through reading the Bible, through listening to, to teachers, and through finally somehow experiencing the love of God flowing through me, now you cannot convince me that God doesn't love me. You know what I'm saying? Happy to stand up and list the list and read out the list of things that I have done wrong for the 30 years that she has known me. And I will probably nod my head to every one of them. And when she got done, she could say, Is all that true? And I say, Yes, but he still loves me. But he still loves me. And I'm like, happy that's not even all of them. There, there's
1: more.
3: You know, but, but truly to understand that. So now when I read the Bible, and it tells me that he loves me. I'm like, okay, the Bible says so, but now I know in my heart that he does. And you can't convince me otherwise, no matter what's going on. So to me, that was a promise that was in here that went from something that was written to something that's been totally put on my heart and something that I get to to live in every day.
1: That's good. That's good. Um, I like that because it's, it's like, you know, we take... Um, different when, when I got born again, as a, as a young teenager, you know, I just started reading the new Testament and I would go through and just highlight anything that stood out to me. I would just highlight it in any scripture. And then the ones from there that would highlight, that would stand out to me, I would still, I would, I would go over them and over them and over them because there was something that was alive in them that I was connecting with. And, um, and for me that's really the the word is such those scriptures that I still call them my key foundational scriptures because they've literally sustained me my entire life and if I don't go to anything I go back to those scriptures and you know the other day I think I was sharing a staff prayer or something last week but anyway the, i for days i had that it's a it's an old song but on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand on Christ, a solid rock I stand. I just had that going through me and through me and through me. And those, that's the foundation. And, and so for me, a lot of um, how I developed intimacy with God was through actually the written word, but things that would go off on the inside of me and basically intrigue me. And there was something, just something that I connected with. And I was like, I, can, I connect with that scripture. And, um, and so the more it got into me, then the more revelation, because that's what happens when you bring the word in, you get revelation. And the Holy Spirit is illuminating things to you. And through that, my intimacy with God would grow. And then at some point you know something would happen like you're saying a test a test but you know something happens and life happens and and all of a sudden you find yourself and you've got something to stand on you're like all of a sudden what's what you've been putting into you is alive and you're like okay god you said, "As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall your word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I have sent it forth to do." All of a sudden, all the stuff comes regurgitating out of you, and and it's and it's a substance. It's a substance on the inside because it's become real. It's become a part of you. It's become revelation. And that's what faith is. Faith is a substance. And and you've got this instead of just words on a page that someone said, well, I stood that God will supply all my needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That may be true. And it may be, well, it is true, but it may have worked for them, but it means nothing to you. But yet you've got this other one that you've, you grabbed hold of this thing. And it, it, it is like a substance on the inside of you and you can land on it and stand on it. And that's Christ, the solid rock you stand and, and anything, else even if it's a scripture it can be sinking sand if you don't have revelation and and that's and you're trying to stand on something that you don't have revelation of and so you you're it and then we sit there and go the word doesn't work no it works it's just we we didn't grab hold of the one that we needed and the one we had revelation of we we didn't we didn't take off Saul's armor and put on one that we knew And it's, it's like, we didn't go back. It's like, I was thinking about the guts that it took for David to do that. Here he's already said, I can fight this giant. And he's got the confidence because he knew he had slain, you know, the bears and the lions and all that kind of stuff. And so he's filled with confidence. And yet, you know, this king, Is saying, put on my armor. And it's the king's armor. Mm -hmm. So you would, I mean, all these, I I was sitting there thinking about all the things that would go through his head. Like, well, this is the king's armor. There's got to be some sort of anointing on it. It's the king, you know, and all that. All the things that would go through. And then the guts that took him to say, I can't wear your armor, king. (laughs) Tell the king, I can't wear your armor. I can do this without it. Mm-hmm. that took guts, like
2: that.
1: you know, and so, and, and so, but that's what the word of God does. It gives you the guts and it gives you the things that the, the, um, yeah. the, uh, intensity that you need to stand. And, and, you know, we we're in a meeting earlier today, just talking about, you know, the times that we're in today that we, we got to know, we have to know Psalm 91. I've got to, if there's one thing I know, I know that there are gigantic angels that surround me and everywhere I go, I have them surrounded. Mm -hmm. And I declare that all the time, no matter where I go. And I'm always, you know, unfortunately in this day and age, you got to be alert too. I mean, if I trek down to DC, I'm alert. I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit, if I need to beeline out of here at some point in time, you got to let me know. And, and it's just the day and age that we live in, um, with the spiritual battles that are going on, but it's like, we got to know we, we, you know, COVID and we got to, we have to understand God's covenant of healing. And even though we do go through periods of time where we may get sick, but we we get healed, you know, we walk out of healing and, you know, we go through periods of time where we may lack, but we walk out of prosperity, mm-hmm. you know, prosperous and stuff. And so, you know, it's just a time that the word is it's so important um, to have that revelation of in different areas. Does anybody have anything you want to share
2: so on all that?
0: I would say um, we have to position ourselves. Mm. And in order to position ourselves, we have to remain focused. There's a lot of distractions going on, mm-hmm. but the main thing is we need to remain focused. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard someone say, if you know what the word says, you won't be confused. So if you know what the word says by being a doer of the word, you won't be confused. You can go to the word. You can remember those scriptures Mm -hmm. and you can remind God of his word, what he said, and then you can use that and you can stand on that word. Mm -hmm. And if he gives you a rhema word, I mean, you have a rhema word to stand on. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is just knowing the word, position ourselves, and just remain in focus. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said. It made me think too, like you said, if you know the word, you won't be confused and I was thinking that scripture, my sheep know my voice and the voice of another I will not follow. Mm-hmm. And um, because when we, <clears throat> when we have relationship with God through the word, the Holy Spirit illuminates it. Mm-hmm. So we start to understand this looks right, mm-hmm. but I don't feel that it's right. right. You know, we start to like get these clues from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that releases confusion.
0: Right
1: because we're actually hearing from him despite whether something looks right or wrong or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So the, that just, the Holy Spirit just brings more illumination. Yeah.
2: Well, for me, I've been thinking lately, and the thing that Pastor Barry used to really emphasize a lot was that, that everyone was given Romans 12, 3 talks about, Um, or the bible said a measure of faith but he always defined as the d measure of faith and if you read the context of that scripture it talks about the renewing of your mind and how to think how to think the way you are supposed to think Mm -hmm. and for me the way that word applies to me is that what is the measure of thought that I need to take on today you know even Hebrews talks about that do not harden your heart, what is called today. So it's almost like I have a choice every day. Do I need to take on God's thought or my own thoughts? So what is the measure of faith? I mean, we use the word like you know, just like words out of our tongues. It's like you know Romans ten seventeen. Is it, it the faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God? But for me. I mean, it's so beautiful the way you said it, that, that David had guts to say, I cannot wear swords armor. I can only be who I, who I be. Yeah. And, and, and then I think each one of us, just because, you know, well, you know, I learn the word or I meditate on the way I do is not necessarily correct for some other people, Right? So what jumped at me was because when you were talking about David and he had this, like, what he was trained to do, his rhema, the word, was to, because he's, he has killed the bears. He has killed, you know, um, lions. So what he had to do is his, his, his what, what was it? Weapon was a smooth stone. So he would run to the river. And grab those smooth stone. And I one one time remember on Tuesday evening when Pastor was teaching, we were in worship, and all of a sudden, I mean, I saw like each one of us, like that that smooth stone in the river, and like Holy Spirit was like encouraging me and all the like body, and says, "You just stay in the river, you know, let the current of the river to just smooth out all the things so when so when the timing is right, that God will call you." in the right timing, and they were like, really just energize you to just run to the river and grab that stone. Mm. And, and, and I would imagine, like, many times over, that's how I meditate. I mean, many times over, like, okay, now, I need the Rama word right now. What do I need? To, what is my that smooth stone? I can run to the river and grab it. And when the time is right, when do I? It's not just that you just confess word out of your mouth all the time. But there are times that, yes, you need to do it. But there are times that you just have that, that what do you call it, that spontaneous, that um, like anointing kicks in or however you name it. And you need to just release it. Even if it doesn't have to be loud voice. Even if it's underneath your breath. Okay, God, your word said that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I shall lend to many nations shall not borrow. I'm the head and I will I will walk and every place that I my my feet tread mm-hmm. you, have you have given it to me. Yep. And then I have the Abraham's blessing. I mean like this is like like you know we like learn in the world and meditate. But the thing about it is that Rayma word is not the end. That's the only beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, because the Logos is a written word. Yes, we do love the word. And we mark it, we meditate it, we do all that. But when the rhema word, the that revelation word that comes to you, that's not the end. A lot of times we just, I mean, I've done it. Oh, I got the revelation. Put it on the shelf, mark it, put the tags on it, and close the door, no. Close the book, no. What is written in your spirit?
3: Right.
2: And then that's the weapon. That's like that smooth stone that you need to re- go to the river and grab hold onto it. Mm-hmm. And then when God said, throw it, what is Goliath in your life? Oh, no. oh, that's so good. I mean, you know, so I've been into places where like, you know, I remember crying my eyes out in my closet, praying to God. Or sometimes like, okay, God, I just hate this. I cannot stand this. What am I supposed to do with this? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's a still small voice and say, Remember that word I gave to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that's that smooth stone that you need to grab hold of it. Ooh. And then, you know, like all you have to do is just throw at it. You don't have to think about the trajectory, how, it, how the wind blows. Ooh. I mean, when you mention these the little huge angels, mm-hmm. who knows that they're playing with those stones? Literally, and so you know the point is when when the Word of God, the incorruptible seed of Word of God, we're born of it, and which it abides and lives forever. And that Word being activated through rhema and your activation, your heart, and when you just stand on that Word, start walking in it, God will see to it that you will experience the glory, and He gets all the old glory. I mean. You know, I can give like numerous testimonies ever since I came to this house. I mean, there are so many impossible situations. Some I <laughs> didn't even know that was an impossible situation back then. But then, you know, looking back, it was like glorious because nothing I ever say, well, I did anything, but just, just, the one step at a time is the small little voices. I think that's what David did just every day. You know, when you read the Bible, like, okay, it's like, this is, you know, like watching movies. Like, whoa, you know, they did this like super hero action thing. No, they live the daily life depending on God. Now, some someday would be like really mundane, like, gee, I really hate this day. But, yeah, well, I don't know. So.
0: <laughs>
2: what is the... <laughs> okay, all right. So. <laughs> Father God, there are so many voices out there, but, but because we're your ship and we hear your voice only. So that word, that incorruptible seed of a word, that's dropped in our spirit will germinate the way it's supposed to germinate. And the power and the sound of your faith, the spirit of faith, when that release through this precious, precious heart, their only heart is to love you, to serve you, and to fulfill their destiny. So in this kingdom, Lord Jesus, that every time... These precious souls get the rhema word and let them just release their heart and yield in that revelation word that they will experience glory, your manifest presence. Mm -hmm. So let your peace, let your joy rule their heart and their circumstances so they can change not only their own family lives, but they can change their spirit of influence and they can change this nation. And they can change the generations to come. So the very Abraham's blessing be upon and be just to glorify your name for every other day. So the very reason Jesus died for all humanity will be seen. So that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and all the host of the angels will glory and will rejoice because Jesus you have done the great things, in Jesus, mighty name, Amen, Amen. Jesus. Wow,
3: I remember you twenty-five years ago. You wouldn't even look me in the eye or speak to me. No, seriously, because this is going to go along with the scripture I'm going to read. She would not look me in the eyes, she would not barely speak.
2: Because when I came here for a whole entire year, I cried yeah. in the sanctuary. I'm not ashamed about it. On, because God was that good.
3: Yeah. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be proven What that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. A transformed mind. Someone who wouldn't speak to anyone, someone who cried in the sanctuary, to someone who has found out who God is and sets here and speaks about it. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. I, I never really understood what transformation meant until the movie Transformers. I had a Camaro, it was the color of my jeans, 84, V8. I did have a car for a while. When I'm watching that movie, and I watch Bumblebee go from a car and transform to what looks like a human and run, that is a total transformation. He's talking about us transforming our mind to what this says about us. transforming our mind by laying in the river and letting the river smooth us. Letting that river smooth us. And then when God comes and takes us out of the river and slings us, what do we do? We hit the mark. We hit the mark and we do the job that we needed to do. But we sit in that river long enough for the appropriate time. We don't crawl out of the river before it's time. We sit in that river We smooth out by transforming our mind to what the word of God says about us. And when he reaches down and picks that rock up with his hand, and David put that rock in his sling, and he winged that thing and busted that dude right between the eyes and dropped him. That rock served its purpose. That rock served the purpose that only that rock could serve. That only that rock could serve I've heard stories told, I don't know all the background, you just hear stuff and you get how you hear it. But David had enough stones in his sack to kill every one of Goliath's brothers. She agreed with me. He had a stone that was going to hit the mark every time something stood up in front of him. That's what we have that's available to us. That's what we're talking about. Looking at what this thing says, understanding what the love is understanding what prosperity is, understanding what healing is, understanding forgiveness, understanding I don't have to walk in fear anymore, understanding that I can stand up and be who God created me to be. Amen. That is what's available to us. But you've got to get in here and read what it is. Amen. You've got to get in here and look at it, study it, and allow God to speak to you in it and let him totally turn your thinking around you got to let him do that you got to let him do that but you don't know what he's going to make you into if you don't get into the word and find out what he's got for you you don't know I'm probably a pretty big rock you know what I mean that's what I'm thinking but that's the job I need to do sometimes you got to have a big rock to build something on sometimes you're just a small rock that's got to go into a small place and do a specific thing but you got to know what you're being transformed into
0: I'll stop with that. Maybe. Pastor Jr. was talking about mind, and I was thinking about what consumes your mind controls your life. There you go. And so um, what you focus on, go back to focus. You know, what are you doing when you're idle, in your idle time? What are you doing when you get off work? What are you doing from 5 till the time you go to bed? Are you watching TV? Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time in prayer? So whatever controls your mind controls your life. Yep. And so you have to give God that time, whatever it is. We have 24 hours in the day. What are you doing in those 24 hours? There's time that you have to set aside to make time for him. We can have as much as God as we want, but it all depends on us. Right. It all depends on us. So it's up to you how much You let God in. He said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So you have to draw near. Spend time.
2: And with that, sometimes I think about, well, obviously, you know, you hear me talk about Pastor Barry a lot. But he's he's a spiritual father. So, you know, uh, every time he was teaching, like, the book of Ephesians, he always make three points. And That's very three points that I ask myself sometimes because, you know, I could hear in his voice, like, you have to know who you are. You have to know what you have. You have to know how to use what you have. Mm -hmm. Those three simple principles, sometimes when you get up in the morning, that's, I mean, for me, I have to know who I am (laughs) Mm -hmm. to start the day. And I have to know what I have in order to function Mm today. And then... (laughs) <laughs> 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 I have to know how to use that what i have right. yep. i mean it's sometimes not right or wrong thing or we're all human we make mistakes but yeah. mm-hmm. there's 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 where the blood of jesus is i think in even our chest we talked about it right. mm-hmm. yes we're not 100 percent always right but the grace is vision for us right. and then who said it like the, you know the, his mercy is new every day right. mm-hmm. yeah. so in those three points is so simple i mean see like if you do not spend time with the Word of God, then right. how would you know like who you are and how mm. do you find that what you have in God and then mm. how you know how to use that? But it's not that like how the using part is kind of tricky part because you know you need to have people around you who who models you right. to how to walk by faith. Yeah. And this is why it's important that it is so important that who you surround yeah. with yourself mm-hmm. and. Sort of like in my experience, because when I got into the you know, training center, like he said, I won't, I won't make an eye contact. I won't not talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to make a long story short, eventually I met people, my, my family and friends. Oh my <laughs> <Yes. Transform. laughs> <Yes. Transform. laughs> okay, so here I am now, the mic talking to you guys. <laughs> exactly. So it's like the, the sense of belonging. You need to have your spiritual family in mm-hmm. order to grow up right. spiritually. Yeah. And then the beauty about being part of a spiritual family is that mm-hmm. it, it, there is a real true protest comes on too. Mm-hmm. Like the love covers the multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know how to forget easily. <laughs> right, right. Because God has done what God has done for us. So. Mm-hmm. so but like in the Kevin's point, you have to spend time with the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a to-do to do checklist. Your life depends on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And it then. does.
2: It does. I, I feel, if you, I mean,
1: it is so thick up here. The president <laughs> guy is so thick up here. I, at one point when you were going, I felt like I needed to stand up and salute the word that was coming out of your mouth. I really, literally felt like I need to salute this right now. And then it's like, I just, I, it, it's, it's, it's so good. It's just so good. And it's when you guys got, both of you got into identity and I, while you were talking, I was thinking of this, um, because uh, you said you need to know who you are. And it was the coolest little story. I was listening to, um, Joel Oseen one day in the car and he was talking about his sister-in-law, his brother and sister-in-law. I think it was them. And every night his sister-in-law would put the kids, to, his, their kid to bed And she would say, you know, you're my superhero, you're Superman, you can do anything. And she would go through this whole series of things to the little boy telling him who he was. And so one night they had been out late and and they were running late and she was just trying to get him to bed. And so she just put him to bed and said goodnight and went out the room and she hears him yelling. And she goes back in, she's like, what is it? He said, mommy, tell me who I am. Make sure you tell me who I am. And it so touched me because that's who we are with God. It's like when you get in the Word, He's telling you who you are, and and it really grasped me because I'm like, gosh, you know. Sometimes I do. I I need God to tell me who I am again. God, tell me who I am, and and we have to remind ourselves because I always go back to that the Passion of the Christ and that scene at the very beginning when Satan was coming around Jesus and he was in the Garden of Eden and he's. Just praying and praying and sweating tears, and the enemy's just going around him, going, Who do you think you are? Can one man really save the world? And all he's doing is attacking his identity. Line. I mean, the movie did a great depiction of how Satan operates and he's attacking his identity because if he can attack our identity and get us flustered in our identity and off of who we are in Christ, he can get us off in everything. And we can be off believing all sorts of kind of things that, and that aren't true. It all comes down to who we are in Christ. And that is the number one thing that Pastor Barry would say, who are you? And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing with the word is because um, he he's, again, telling us who we are and just mm-hmm. continually. And, and, and it is. Our life depends on it. Mm-hmm. It truly does. Right. So before, it's nine. So does anybody have any last words? Anybody want to share anything before we end?
3: If you stay away from this long enough, you forget who you are. Yeah. Amen. That's
0: good. Abba. Yeshua, my helper. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. We just thank you, Father, for this opportunity just to to share your word. And as your word says that iron sharpens iron. And, Father, that's what we're here to do, to sharpen one another, to come in here and get full so we can go out and deposit ourselves, to be a light unto your kingdom. And I thank you for the seeds that were sown tonight, Father. I thank you that it remains in every heart that we take these seeds that were planted, Father, and that we we use them and we deposit them in others. And, Father, I thank you that this seed, that it will grow and that a harvest will come forward, Father. And, Father, I just thank you what you're doing in the lives of everyone that's here tonight. I thank you for the plan and the purpose that you have for each and every person, Father. I thank you that your will be done in their life, in their family, in their home, in the job, in every situation. And, Father, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for this house, the Living Faith House, Father. Thank you for what's ahead. We thank you that every need is met, Father. We thank you for the leader of this house. We thank you for wisdom and direction and guidance that you give him as he move forward in you. And Father, I just thank you that everything that took place tonight, that you're working and you're moving in the people. And Father, we thank you as we leave here, Father, that you're with us, that your mighty angels are round about us, and that we make it to our destination safely because of who you are. And we bless you and we thank you for it. And everybody said.